we got to have the answers to whatever questions we have. But you know, that's not always the case for the fix that needs to take place. It's not the answers we need. It's the presence of God. And he comes in and he realigns us. And he positions us to trust. And he positions us to just allow him to hold on to us. Amen? I only want to understand what he wants me to understand. And for the rest of it, I'm just going to trust him. Ushers, make your way down today as we prepare to worship the Lord in our givings. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of giving to your kingdom. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for giving your heart of your children the compulsion, Lord God, just to be like you and to give. So the Lord we can gather in this building to enjoy your presence. God bless you as you give today.
praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Come on, let's give them some love. Amen. You guys are troopers, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you for, for being up here. We love you, and thank God for your ministry. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Um, those of you that may be visiting us for the first time, we want to say welcome. We thank God you are here. Uh, we, we've already been praying for you. Uh, your presence here is brings such encouragement to everybody here. I just want you to know we, we are excited that you are here. This last two weeks for our church has been a very difficult time. Our brother, our friend, our worship pastor uh, has gone home to be with the Lord. And we feel his loss because he was a precious man of God. Uh, Elijah's, there's going to be a visitation at Lynch Funeral Home uh, this afternoon between 4 and 6. I know that you guys are praying for, uh, Eli for Andrea and Josiah and Phoebe. Uh, also, uh, his family cannot be here for the service. They are back in Nigeria. So be, please be in prayer for his family. And uh, services will be tomorrow in here at 10 a.m., Visitation today at 4, and then the service will be at 10 a.m. in our sanctuary. And so just keep them in your prayers. Uh, they're doing well. I will tell you that Elijah passed peaceably. Um, our prayer, even before things transpired, we said, God, either raise him off of this bed completely whole or lift him, Lord, to heaven. And God chose, in a matter of moments, he was lifted to heaven. And so we thank God for a peaceable passing as it's surrounded by those he loved. I want you to look here in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. And I, I feel necessary, if you will, to minister to you, the body of Christ, as to how to navigate loss. You know, a lot of times we get, we get education on the shout. We, we get education on the abundance and on the joy, and we, we live, we want to live there. But today, I want to look at, I want to look at this passage here in 1 Samuel, the, the 30th chapter, and I just want to glean from, from David how he dealt with loss. Now, as we look here, you know, it's kind of like those, the scripture tells us a word fitly spoken. It's apples of gold and settings of silver. It's just like, you know, we can read text and read this. But what I want to look at is his faith response to that situation. To help you and I how to navigate as a body of believers, how do we navigate loss? Look here in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. This is where they were. They set up camp in this city. On the third day, they'd been gone three days and they came back. That the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire. They'd taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way 
So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Notice David and the people lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives, Ohinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his son, his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David said to Abathar, Amalek's son, please bring me here, bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Now I want you to, to look here, and I want you, as a child of God, listen to me. A faith response doesn't mean that you're not going to feel pain. It, it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel the overwhelming sense of loss. You're going to feel it like someone who is not in covenant relationship with God. We in the body of Christ, we are not immune to pain. If we, if I stump my toe on a weight sitting in a room, which I've done of late, and hear the crack in the room, because I broke my middle toe, and now it was all straight and it's all gnarled up now. I felt that. But I was glad that the Holy Spirit spoke through me in the midst of that, and all I could say was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so as we look here, the first thing I want you to do is by all means cry. By all means, let it out. By all means, let your heart that is broken go ahead and express itself in that brokenness. Just go ahead and let, let it be released inside of you. It's going to help you and potentially help those around you. Now, I want you to notice there, they wept until they had no more power to weep. They had no more tears. The tear duct well was dry. There was just nothing left but the emptying of their soul in that moment. But you need to know where do you go from here? First, we're going to look at where not to go. And don't condemn yourself if you went there. Just let me encourage you to get back on track. Okay? But notice there, option number one is David was greatly distressed because the soul of the people was grieved. It wasn't just grief, it was, that word means bitterness. It means they were enraged. Some of you, your personality is such, when something hits you, your first emotion is anger. I respect that. 
It's not always my first emotion. It's usually my last. I've got a lot of other contrary emotions, but that's not necessarily my first one. But you that get really angry, what did they first thing they wanted to do? They wanted to find somebody to blame for that situation. That's always an option. Who's to blame? Is God to blame? Are the people to blame? Is the leadership to blame? Is the government to blame? Who's to blame? Do we point it all the way back to Adam and say, Adam, you did all this to us. Perhaps that's an option to blame someone. Blame someone because they didn't have enough faith. Come on now. Blame yourself because you didn't have enough faith to lay hands upon a man you love to see him recover. But you know, this is what we have to come to the realization. God doesn't work for me. God doesn't work for me. I work for him. And I ask God in the midst of all this, God, are you going to raise Elijah in healing on this earth? And he said, no. So I asked him again. And he said, no. I said, Lord, can your mind be changed on this? And because no for me has always been negotiable options. The persistent widow that was that in my ancestry, you can point all the way back to the persistent widow in my family tree. Because I'm just a I'm a nagger. I'm a bugger. People have described me as this. They they said Pastor, I figured you out. It is gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. I'm not easily thrown off. My face is set like a flint. It's the way God made me. But there's times, Randall, when he's the answer is no. It's no. So we have here a situation where there is one option and that is to start blaming everyone and everybody could you go with me I don't have this in my notes but it, I think this is something that we need to hear as the Holy Spirit ministers to us and I think it's going to help us I want you to look in Romans Romans the 12th chapter Romans the 12th chapter let's go there right quick and then we're going to jump headlong and I'll, I'll put it on fast forward here in just a little bit but I want you to look in Romans 12 Romans 12 Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Would you agree with me that your reasonable service is to be the living expression of God's sacrifice? Would you believe that? That we should be walking about representing the completed work of Christ in our life, but that's not what I want to talk to you about. Do not be conformed. See, the world would bring you into a place of hopelessness and despair. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by doing what? By renewing your mind. Your, your mind may want to lead you to different directions like blame and rage and bitterness, but we renew our mind that you may prove 
in the midst of all of that, you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I have to renew myself in the Word of God. I've got to renovate my mind so that I can begin to understand, Lord, what it is, what is it you want to accomplish in this? Now, this is what I want to look at. For I say, through, he's speaking, he said, look, this is through the lens of grace given to me. Paul is a teacher and a preacher, an apostle, to everyone who is among you. So he's talking to us all. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Hold that thought. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. I think a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We think ourselves as God. And we think that being as God, I can dictate everything around me. But what we have to understand, we are not God. We work for God in the kingdom as children of God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we do what we do because of grace and by faith. But we have option number two, which we want to start looking at here with David. Notice here that he lost everything. At that moment, he didn't know if there was going to be any recovery. He could look out around as the evidence would present itself. As he was looking around to see if maybe there was any bloodstains on the ground, if there's anyone laying in the city that, that they might have known. But he didn't know if, if he would ever see his family again. He didn't see if he was going to see and the, those that were with him. They didn't know if they were ever going to see their family again. Now I will say to you, sometimes God's recovery and restoration is not on this side of earth. Sometimes it's on the other side. Sometimes it's in the midst of that pain that someone steps over to that other side, but they never cease to exist. But we look here. Option number two. Option one is not where we want to go. If we find ourselves there, get back. Option number two, what we see is a man who trusted God. And the Bible says before he had any answers, before there was any intervention on the side of God, he began to strengthen himself in the Lord. He began in the midst of that. Lord, before you bring the, any kind of direction, Lord God, I just want to strengthen myself in you. I want to strengthen. I, I don't know what David was thinking about. Maybe he was thinking about when he was out in the sheepfold. And he was just worshiping the settling down the lambs when he was playing his, his harp. I don't know when, what he might have been thinking about. Uh, oh, God, do you remember the time that that, that old lion came along uh, and was grabbed one of the lambs and by your strength and might, Lord God, I, I took him down. Uh, Lord, I, I don't know, Lord God, but there was a time when, uh, when a bear came along after you anointed me to be king. And, Lord, I destroyed that bear. And, uh, oh, God, don't you remember that day how beautiful it was uh, when Goliath stood in that valley and we took that stone in hand we did it together Lord God and, I, and as I began to whirl that at him because he was coming to me on, the, on behalf of his gods but we stood against him in your name 
and you took him down. You took him down. Lord, you remember the near misses that we had with Saul, how he tried to, you know, I could have taken him, taken him out, but I didn't do that. Lord, you know where I was at when I was gone for three days from Ziklag. I was out destroying the enemies of Israel. I was doing, Lord, what you had called me in purpose for me to do, Lord God. And you brought me out of all of that, Lord. You'll bring me out of this too. No matter the outcome. No matter the outcome. What we see in David is that he trusted God. He trusted the Lord. He just trusted him. That, that word, their strength, and it means to carry out repairs. What do we do when we strengthen ourselves in God? In the midst of great loss, we begin to carry out the repairs inside. Lord, I've got some leaky pipes I need to shut off. I've got a wall that's leaning, Lord God, that I need to. But you know what we never have to worry about fixing, and that's truly if we're built upon the rock. We don't have to worry about the foundation. We just need to reattach ourselves to that foundation and say, God, we can do this in and by and through you. Amen? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 through 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Trust is based on understand, not the understanding of the situation. My trust is anchored in my relationship with God. My relationship with God. My trust is in Him. I want to read some, some quotes that, and I would encourage you to go and pull this, this message up. Bill Johnson lost his wife less than a year ago. Two or three weeks after her, her death, he, he got into the pulpit and he ministered a message. You could you could you knew that his heart was still wide open. But he said some profound truths and ministered out of a place where it brings some understanding and you it just it was just so can I say it like this? It was just so rich. You know what I'm talking about? Just so tangible that it's like, man, this is just this resonates with those who who have suffered loss. But some of the th statements that he made that, that I think will help us today as we are learning to trust God in the midst of it all, saying, Lord, I'm not going to rely upon my reasoning skills. I'm not going to point the finger of blame at my faith or someone else's faith. I I'm just going to trust you, Lord God, because, Lord, you, you didn't say I had to understand I'm telling you, some of those of you in here today, you need to, you need to check your understanding at the door and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you for who you are. I, I'm not, I'm, I may not figure this out. I really may not. But this is what some of the things that Bill said. He, he said, loss is the mystery 
in which we have the privilege of caring. Loss is a mystery. Loss is a mystery that we have the privilege of carrying. He said the level of God's revelation, think about it, God's revelation will be equal to the level of mystery I'm willing to live with. Is that resonating with anyone? I mean, it's like, you don't have to figure it all out. You only, God is the controller of the revelation. You just got to trust him and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you that, Lord God, whatever level of revelation I need, you're going to reveal. But with that, the counterbalance to that is going to be the mystery as of the why. Because this man had seen numerous people healed, delivered, set free, raised from the dead. But his wife, who suffered cancer, didn't, didn't make it with month-long illnesses. Smith Wigglesworth, anybody that read the history of Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he walked in this same mystery. Yes, he did with confidence. Uh, we hear the miracles. I sat around a table with some Australian brothers. Uh, it was We were sitting in Scotland at a fellowship meeting, uh, and these pastors from Australia were saying, but yeah, you never hear about the time when he came to Australia. And for six to eight weeks, he preached every single night with not one single miracle. This man who raised numerous people from the dead. When his wife died, he called her back into her body, said, get in there. She came back, looked at him, smiled, and was gone. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Some of you didn't take a big sigh of relief and Stop beating yourself up over the fact that maybe the outcome didn't turn out like you wanted. And just say, God, you're in charge, and I trust you. I just trust you. I just trust you. My inability to live with mystery is my resistance. My inability to live with mystery is my resistance to live with childlikeness. See, it's the childlikenesses that opens the dimensions of God's kingdom that otherwise cannot be opened. I don't know how in the midst of the storm God can give me peace. There are times that God graces me to do things that I really don't believe I can do. That I can stand in in areas and God causes you to stand in arenas that you really don't feel that you have the capability of doing but your willingness to step out into the unknown God meets you there and he lifts you up and in those moments you discover a dimension of his grace that you otherwise would not know it is a beautiful child likeness that God brings us in and God we need the revelation but Lord God we will not forsake Lord God God, the mystery of it all because God, you are God. I don't want my why to ever take me away from what he is doing in me. As I told you before, it's what I gleaned from Bill's message is that when 
we experience loss, answers will not fix the problem. Well, he's gone because of this, this, and this. But his presence will fix the problem in us. Amen? So trust. You will keep him. Do you want perfect peace today? You know where perfect peace comes from? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And then Isaiah goes on to say, trust in the Lord forever. (laughs) For in God the Lord is everlasting strength. So I, I, I can say to you, I believe emphatically that David trusted the Lord because when he was strengthening himself, what he was saying and rehearsing is that, Lord, I trust you, and this is where I find my strength is in you. I'm going to renew my mind, Lord God. I'm going to trust in you. I don't have any other tears to cry. I don't have any other brokenness to expose. If just here right now in the rawness of this moment. But Lord God, I can remember your goodness. And I trust you. Church, I trust him. I trust him. I just trust him. Perfect peace comes as a result of just trusting in him. Now, Proverbs 13 and 12 says this. Because he not only trusted, he continued in hope. Amen? He continued in hope. You know what the enemy would love to rob from you today? Is hope. He'd like to take away your hope. He'd like to take away any anticipation of things ever changing or you ever recovering. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Would you agree with that? Well, when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, there was something Andrea ran across and she shared it with me in a message she listened to and and it's profound as most things she says is profound okay now Smith's literal translation says the translation that verse this way hope being forgotten afflicts the heart and desire coming is a tree of life looked up that word there of of deferred and it means literally to take something out to draw it out to lift it up out when hope is taken out of the equation when it's like sugar in a cake I mean what's the point if you're not going to put sugar in it There was a lady who made a cake for me, and she was a heart patient, and she didn't use sugar. And she told me it was a cake. It looked like a cake. A long, 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 long time ago, in another state, and decades ago, 
she's already passed on to be with the Lord, so she won't get offended at this. And if her husband's lifting, listening, he doesn't even know. So I take a bite of that cake. There's no sugar. Cake? You know, if the enemy could take hope out of your situation, it becomes sickening, tasteless. See, and that's what that hope deferred, that the translation of that is when, when you take when you take hope out of your situation, it makes your heart sick. It makes it sick. It's like I can't take this situation if I don't have hope. I can't take now the outcome may not be as I I I I I, I necessarily expect but I still am going to hold on to hope that God is still in control that God I've got to have a hope in fact you can't have faith without hope because it's the main ingredient for without <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for faith is initiated by my hope I don't have any I don't have any faith in God if I don't have any hope in God so I put my hope in him and say God I'm gonna I'm just gonna trust you and I'm going to have hope in you. Romans 5 and 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, but hope does not disappoint. But if you take hope out, you will be disappointed. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul wrote it, I didn't. Unaware, unlearned, brethren concerning these who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. It would be an awful slander against this beautiful man of God is if you turned away from the Lord because he went home to be with Jesus. Because he's a man who loved the Lord who worship God. And when you walk with someone and you talk with someone and you, you share the same passion about the Lord you serve, he would declare to you, it's worth it all. Don't stop now. You're too close to the finish. Don't shrink back. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. But sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. But you take hope out, you're no longer anchored. Without hope, you're disappointed. King James says, you're ashamed. There, Paul tells us that we're, 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 we're without any kind of mooring. 
we're sorrow as those that have no hope. We, we hope in God. See, David did something that day. He trusted. He hoped. And he surrendered the situation to God. Great faith does not come from striving. Great faith comes from surrender. So we got David at Ziklag. He shows up in the moment. Any other day. He'd been out on several, several campaigns. Came back and mama had supper ready for him. You know what I'm saying? He, he came back and everything was as it should be and everyone was as they should be. But then he shows up this day and there's nobody there because they've been taken. Now his guys that followed him, but we didn't see any recruiting going on. They just happened to follow after David. And now David is the one sitting there. They're, getting, they're ready to stone him. David just begins to inquire of God and trust and hope and surrender the situation to the Lord. And the Lord declared to him, you're going to recover all. You got to go. You, you can't recover sitting. You got to go. You got to get up and you got to go after that. Long story short, maybe some of you are thinking short story long. Long story short, he got up and he went. And when he went, he recovered not only what the Amalekites had taken from him, but he recovered what was taken from others. Now, don't get hung up this morning, church, because restoration doesn't always mean the one I'm going after, okay? Because God has restored me personally with a, with a father that I lost to suicide as a son, as a child. God restored to me a man who is my best friend to this day who calls me his son because he has become a father to me. See, God restored the loss of my father through another father, a spiritual father. And see, the Lord didn't take me back and rewind my childhood and say, okay, we're going to go back and rewind your childhood so I can restore you. No, the Lord restored me by my children. He restored me in that allowing me to have a house that would be a restoration and a blessing that, that I, I didn't have growing up. He put it in my house there. See, so when we think about restoration, yes, we want healing. Yes, we want deliverance. Yes, we want the dead raised. Sometimes restoration looks different. And sometimes restoration takes more than a day. It takes a little bit of time. You got to walk it out. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep saying, Lord, it's not, my, it's not just my children, it's my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-greats and, Lord, the generation I haven't seen yet. Lord, I just want to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving until the day, Father, you say, it's done. Come home, my son. This is what I want you to get, and I'm going to quit. Navigating the loss. God's not going to waste your loss. 
When you surrender that to the Lord, that's what David did. He surrendered it to the Lord. Some of you have suffered loss, and you, are, you have surrendered that to God. You've surrendered it. You have gone out with weeping, bearing this precious seed in your hands, and you have put it in a place of the unseen. You have laid it down in a place that nobody sees, and you have let that go. But I declare to you, yea, doubtless you will come again rejoicing, bringing in a harvest, bringing in a harvest. And this is what I want you to hear. When they went out to battle, they overcame the Amalekites, and they recovered everything, and then some. And David said this, so you guys get your spool, but you see all that right over there? You see all of that over there? That belongs to me. That's mine. It's mine. Some of you immediately said, yeah, greedy preacher. No one said that. That was just the, whatever. But see, what David did is he took and he began to offer gifts back to those you lost, I'm going to give this back to you. You lost, I'm going to give this back to you. You lost, I'm going to give this back to you. See through your testimony. What you're doing is you're giving back. You're giving back. That loss that you surrender to God. So you're the answer to someone else's grief. You're the answer to someone else's deliverance. You're the answer. Because you're saying, Lord, if you did this for Mike Sanders, good gosh, you'll do it for anybody. Amen? If you did it for, for me, he'll certainly do it for you. Let me share with you the king's bounty. Let me share with you the restoration came from the loss. Great faith does not come from great striving. Great faith comes from surrender. David recovered all. I want you to stand all across this room this morning. Worship team, wake your way up, if you will. What are we going to do, church? We're going to trust him with all of our heart. We're going to embrace the mystery and discover the revelation. We're going to walk in childlikeness and just believe that God knows what he's doing. And I trust him. Because, you know, there's things we don't understand. My kids used to travel. 
with us and they always what's the question they always ask when you get in the car are we there yet are we there yet how much longer and you're trying to tell your kids they don't even they don't even tell time how much longer Jacob because he was always the inquisitive one how much longer we'd have to say Jacob two and a half Spongebob episodes Oh, okay. <laughs> See, there's just answers we don't even, we can't even fathom beyond our comprehension. You guys go ahead and start playing. Beyond our comprehension, we don't even fathom those things. But see, the Lord can step into our situation, our heart. And just His presence just his presence a clap of thunder in the middle of the night and those babies roll out of the bed and they run to you they're not wanting to know the weather cycle they're, they're not going to want to know maybe Jacob would, Jacob my son would they just want to know if, if I'm going to be okay daddy hold me Daddy, can I crawl up in the bed? Would you come lay down? Some of you today, you've, you've lost. You don't need the answers. You just need to reach up and say, God, would you, would you just hold me right now? Would you just hold my hand and let me know everything's going to be all right? If that's you today, and if you would like us to lay hands upon you, we're not going to try to violate your space. We just want to encourage you. We believe that there's a release of the Holy Spirit when we lay hands. We lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. You know, some of the recover, recovery is just releasing hope into people's lives. Because you take hope out of the equation, it makes the heart sick. Some of you are so heartbroken, you just need hope right now. If that's you and you would like prayer, come on. Come on, we're just going gonna to follow the gentle touch of the Holy Spirit right now. Just come and lift your hands up and say, Lord, I surrender this. I surrender this. There are others of you in this house right now, and you just say, you know, beyond that, I'm going to surrender this loss to the Lord, loss of time, loss of energy, loss of resources, loss of, of, of all the tragedy. Lord, I'm just going to give it to you so that you may use it to help others. That is a sacrifice that God will willingly accept from you. And he will cause all things to work together for your good because you love him and you're doing this according to the calling he has on your life. If that's you today, just come. Just come. 